Greetings! Welcome to the 12th of Mercury, a metaphysical podcast where sisters Eliza Rose and Lysandra talk about all things spiritual, taboo, and the supernatural. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Welcome to the 12th of Mercury podcast. This is Eliza Rose, and with me as always is my sister Lysandra. I exist. <laughs> so welcome to episode 6 where we're going to be covering the cult killings of Matamoros, requested by one of our listeners, Ian Halstead, which I hope that is how you pronounce your last name. And if it isn't, I humbly apologize. Excuse the butchering. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to cover this cult killing. um, Besides, you know, of course, it's true crime, but there's like an important um, point that I want to make, you know, at the end of, you know, as we retell the horrific killings and stupidity <laughs> that we will find in the story of Aldolfo Costanzo. Okay, so let's begin with this, shall we? So, Aldolfo de Jesus Costanzo was born November 1st, 1962, also known as El Padrino de Matamoros, the godfather of Matamoros. Um, he's known to be a Cuban-American serial killer, drug dealer, and cult leader. Um, he was known to run drug trafficking and an occult gang in Matamoros, Tamalupia, Mexico. All right, so he was the son of a Cuban immigrant teen mother. Um, when his father died, when he was about an infant, his mother, Delia Aurora Gonzalez, moved with her family in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Although he was later baptized as Catholic in compliance with his then stepfather, um, you know, he frequently traveled to Haiti with his mother, where they both secretly learned and practiced uh, voodoo. Mm. In 1972, you know, the family moved back to Miami, which where a year later, his stepfather died of cancer. However, by that time, he was around the age of 10, Aldorfo became an apprentice under a priest who practiced palo Mayobe, which I hope that is how um, you pronounce (laughs) that word. Um, So, you know, what is Palo, you know, Mayombe, right? So, Palo is also known as Las Reglas de Congo. Um, The roots of this derives from the Congo Basin of Central Africa, where many slaves from Congo were brought to Cuba, where it was organized. Mm -hmm. Um, The language spoken within this mixture is of Spanish and Bantu language, um, known as lengua bozal or habla cango. Um, the word palo, you know, it means stick, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was applied in Cuba due to the use of wooden sticks to build their altars, mm-hmm. which are also known as uh, la ganga, which I hope I'm saying that right, because uh-huh. I think the N is um, silent, or el caldero, kitsi, uh, la prenda. Um, so, you know, the foundation of this practice is a variation of spirits and belief of the power within uh, nature and earth. Yes. Um, you know, they consider it, they consider like all natural ob- objects, especially like sticks, are infused with power and are linked mm. to the power of the spirits. Um, the main practice focuses on the altar or the Ganga and dedicating the Ganga to a specific uh, Pungu. This vessel is also believed... Uh, to be occupied by a spirit of the dead, mm-hmm. or it's just to a specific um, spirit or deity. Um, with these, within these gangas, they are set up by offerings that belong to that specific spirit, which also includes animal sacrifice, and sometimes even human sacrifice, but is also considered actually something very forbidden. And one of the most important things about this podcast that I want to cover, besides the true crime of this is more about how certain practices when done by someone who's a fucking psychopath Mm -hmm. can really tarnish a beautiful practice or religion right you know Um, so that's where I really want to go into so like the palo mayombe usually is linked or confused with santeria Mm -hmm. Um, however the difference is that santeria was brought over by the Yoruba people while the Palomayombe was from the people of Congo. However, both practices do require animal sacrifices. You know, so um, it is considered, though, the Palomayombe to be a very, in, you know, intense practice. I guess also from an outsider's perspective. You know, um, 
because I feel like especially I, I think more is because when you are connected more to like religious they see everything as fucking wild that's <laughs> you know, true anything with the like uh, the church you know anything they consider like fucking wild exactly you know um but like even in modern day um this practice you know uh they're like this uh, a guy who lives in the bronx who owns a botanica where you can actually get supplies for palo uh palo mayombe um and he describes this practice as 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 it can be good and healing you know you can actually kill with an a, a ganga you know, that that's how dark it can be, you know, and it's like, he compares it to like, it's like a dog, you know, like if someone comes into your yard, and your dog is trained, you know, if that dog gets loose, you know, who knows that you're going to get there in time to stop your dog, it's basically like creating like a boundary, like a protection, right. you know what I'm a saying? territory? Right, so it's like, but I think that's more in the sense of like, fuck around and find out. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, if you come with your bullshit you know, unwilling known to that person, right. you know, these spirits are going to go, uh, no, you know, like they're going to protect you of under all costs, you know? So it's very similar to that. Like, uh, as you've heard in that expression, you know, be careful who you mess with because you don't really know their spiritual team. And so mm-hmm. Santeria and Palo Mayombe, uh, or Las Regas de los Congo is very similar to that, you know, People who really dedicate their time and give offerings to these spirits, um, they... <laughs> I'm sorry, my mom is creeping by. It's funny. Do the creep. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you dedicate your time and energy, you know, um, to a specific deity. So, like, for example, in Santeria, you know, you have, like, Chango, Yemaya. Oshun, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, you, you give offerings, you know, you dedicate your time and energy, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so if they, this deity senses anything fucked, you know, you can, they, that person can have like serious repercussions, right? you know, but I think it's also considered dark because I feel like Palo Mayombe is also a, a very... In comparison, like misunderstood. You, yes. Practice. It has much a, like Santeria. It has a neutral standing when it comes, when it comes to, um... It's views, really. Right. Yeah. Fuck so around it, and find out. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, like, especially African um, beliefs and practices or anything that's not white. Right. Um, is very, very highly misunderstood because most of these are also what we call closed practices, you know, yes. and not anyone can just, you know, stand off the street and be like, hey, I want to learn. Um, usually, I mean, you can try, but the problem with that is like the cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and some of these people take credit for these things and that's horrific because it's like, okay, listen, mm-hmm. there are certain practices and beliefs, um, that you feel gravitated to because yes. I am at fault with that, but I do not try to claim something that is right. like, as if it's, you know, it didn't have an original creator, right? <laughs> you know, cause me for, you know, I don't know why, but I have always been drawn to like Indian culture and like Hindu, um, I don't know why, but I, you know, I just gravitate to it. But I do hold my respects. You know, I, I, you know, I do puja for uh, Shiva and Durga. Um, I listen to them, you know, their mantras and stuff. And I always mention them, make sure I, I have some type of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, you know, there is like that modern debate between should people practice closed practices and okay. not and culture appropriation. Now you have to be really careful because people would jump down your fucking throat. But I go, listen, like. Mm-hmm. I do my best, and you can't please everybody because right. some people are going to be like, no, 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 you shouldn't. Um, and other people are like, just, hey, mm-hmm. as long as you respect, right. you know, you pay, you know, you give credit and you don't try to take something that doesn't, be- like, try to make it as if yours, why right. not? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, because deities, I would think that if you want to follow them, they love you. Why not? Yeah. You know what I'm because saying? Because as long as you follow it in respect. Yes. You know, so I go With like, boundaries. I don't think they would fucking mind, but humans do because we're pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> we mind everything. Everything fucking bothers us, you know? Yeah. We literally piss, <laughs> it's like we literally piss on everything we touch. So I think like, and you know, and this is around that time, especially during this time, like the 70s and 80s, you yes. know, as cult practice, I mean, it's now that we're just sort of like people are starting to get with the fucking program like yes. okay you know like appreciation for different practices and cultures but back then 
It's slowly, yeah. Well, you couldn't see my face, but it was just like bullshit. You know, like people really had a deep misunderstanding about this kind of practice, you know? Right. And the worst part, like, they, um, those who don't understand will rely on tropes, like, yeah. from media, like, movies and stuff. Yes, such. I know, because also the fucking movies make everything. And, you know, also, like, and that's the funny thing, like, with Satanism, um, <laughs> a lot of these people who went off a tangent on Satanism um, is mostly because they're derived from movies or because of the church. But really, really, if you go into Satanism, right. it is actually an amazing practice because their laws are like, just be a fucking decent human being. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, so like, but it's that movie religious rhetoric that, you know, it just, that fucking combo. The indoctrination. The combo that I don't want. <laughs> you know, it makes people like think stuff and do things and act out in things that they think is applied to that specific practice. But in reality, they're a goddamn fool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, you may hear jingling. That's my earrings. So, I'm going to take off my earrings because I don't want Jingle to be bells. like, what the fuck is that jingling shit in the background? <laughs> Jingle bells. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that we briefly covered what Palo Mayombe is, around that time, uh, Adolfo was an apprentice to Palo Mayombe. His mother married a man involved in the drug trade and voodoo. Like, what is up with this lady? But anyway. Especially during that time, you know, she was pregnant at a teen. I'm not... No, you needed to be married. Exactly. Because they're... Exactly. Even worse, especially back then. There was... um, Women couldn't do shit without a man, yeah. Exactly. Well, that was the law, um, the the way how they um, constructed it. Nowadays... Death to the patriarchy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's nowadays. (laughs) Oh, better time now. Yeah. (laughs) In, In comparison. So he still mm-hmm. spent his teens committing, you know, petty crimes. Um, he also started practicing fortune telling. Um, around 18, it was actually believed that he predicted that there would be an unsuccessful attempt on the life of President Ronald Reagan, which actually did happen. Like someone did try and they're like, oops, I failed. Um, so, but in 1983, Constanzo pledged himself to, uh, I can't say that word, I'm going to try Kadiem uh, Pembe, which I hope my respects if I fucked up, <laughs> which right. is the Palo, uh, Palo Mayombe equivalent to the devil, of course. Because why not, right? Right. Um, and he moved to Mexico City, mm. La Ciudad de Mexico. Okay, because Mexico City sounds weird to me. So, La Ciudad de Mexico. I can't say it. I can't say that way. So when I say it, please don't don't hurt me. I know you're still green guys. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm, I know. It's as if I, I was born and raised green guy, but there's nothing. Oh God. Uh, Fucking schools. <laughs> uh, so there is. That is where he would start his cult and where he would meet his uh, his followers: Martin Quintana Rodriguez, Omar Ochoa, and Jorge Montes. So. Um, you know, they began their offering of their fortune telling and, you know, community services to the, uh, to the community, um, conducting animal sacrifices, uh, to bring their clients good luck. Um, you know, at that time they used goats and chickens, which is usually pretty common in those kind of like practices. Mm-hmm. Um, but their theatrics, because this is where, you know, it becomes more like, how can we bring more more people, more money, right. where it becomes more like an aesthetic, like this kind of theatrical bullshit, which... Right. But anyway, they started using even zebras and lion cubs as sacrifices. <laughs> and they had over 30 clients, including federal officers and police, um, which, listen, La Ciudad in Mexico, I'm sorry, but like corrupt, 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me tell you, they made so much money, okay? They were able to afford a $60,000 condominium. And let me tell you, pesos de Mexico, let me tell you, like American money, you could do a lot with American money in Mexico. A lot of people believe um, that Mexico is rich. Do not believe it, okay? Because they've always been, their economy is ridiculous, Okay, um, now the tourist part, you know, they charge American money because they know white people go and they, you know, that's the tourist part. You know, it's like American, but it just happens to be in Mexico. (laughs) 
<laughs> but the real Mexico where you go outside, right. where there's a otro pedo, as they say. It's yeah. a different fucking thing. You get off the tourist uh, the tourist street and yes, you... Yes, it's a different. And I mean, there's beauty, of course, because right. Mexico is gorgeous. You know, And that's why I go, it's such a shame, such a big country, um, that their economy is in such poor state. And they have been in corruption for a long time. Mm -hmm. This current president, which I keep forgetting his name, is by far the first president that has really went hard down on corruption. Like a lot of people are like having mixed feelings about him. But it's like people are so used to the corruption right. that they just don't know what it's like a Mexico without corruption. You know? right. So can you imagine back in the day, 70s, fucking $60,000 condominium? They were making mucho mula. Okay, money, money. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so and that's a lot in me in pesos mexicano. Okay, sixty thousand dollars, especially at that time, which I don't know what the dollar was um, to pesos, but let me tell you, even in today, okay, imagine this: un peso mexicano, one peso mexicano, like it's twenty dollars here. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine? There you go. All right. So right. around nineteen eighty five, they escalated into using human remains in rituals. Um, there are some debate there that they said that it can be used but usually they say it's is usually considered like pretty forbidden mm. you know because it's something that once you start doing um to please a certain deity is something that you have to continuously keep doing right and that's not good <laughs> you know it's not easy. um yeah <laughs> so a year later from there Adolfo will meet a crime family called the causada where he will go and sell his services to However, though, <laughs> when he requested to become a full partner with them, they denied him, which in turn, he punished them by kidnapping, torturing, and killing seven members of the Casadas. These seven members were found severely dismembered, missing body parts, which all listeners, you know, oh, a warrant. Discretioner. <laughs> yeah, if you discretion, well, yeah. guys. <laughs> yes. um, you know, like they removed their brain, and in one of them, like their fucking spine. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, during this time, he added another member by the name of Sarah, Ar I don't know how to say her last name, Aldrete, I guess, who, you know, she would become, well, she would become La Madrina, the godmother, um, and he would make her um, the high priestess of, his, of the cult. Um, you know, and it was actually believed also Adolfo was gay, or like bisexual, you know, because um, it was considered, like, I guess known that he would sleep with his followers, like the male followers. But I don't think he slept with Sarah. I think it was more like platonic, I guess. And yeah. You know? Um, Just accomplice. Yeah. You know, someone that he can brainwash, I guess. Or in some way, she had like the magic pussy some way, you know, and she like bewitched him for him. Or maybe because she had the talent in bringing in people. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that could be it. That's mm -hmm. why she was like num like her right, his right hand man, I guess, a woman. Right, <laughs> right, handy, right handy lady, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So they met through uh, a drug cartel connections where one of um, Sarah's ex-boyfriends, Elilio Hernandez Rivera, um, brother Saúl Hernandez Rivera, was assassinated, which led to Elilio taking over. With, with his brother's death, he went on to hire Aldolfo with, you know, because of his spiritual um, services, you know, because at that time people were talking about him, you know, um, I mean, he was just making a lot of money. Because, listen, a person that can get a $60,000, like, condominium, and you, people know this. Mm -hmm. Especially in Mexico. Because, like, listen, La Ciudad de Mexico is, like, still, like, a small pueblo. You know, people talk, people know. Yes. You know? Um, oh, yeah, we've been, yeah, we have been there, actually. Yeah. I know, for you to get a car for, from there that's in recent year, they, they already assumed you're a drug dealer. Yeah. Oh, there's different, you know? Yeah. It, where even they just... Uh, the time that we went there, didn't they just introduce the VCR? Yeah. No, there's some stores there like um, that are out of business here. Right. That they still were up and running over there, like Wool Woolworth. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought that When we went, done. I saw that store. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought it was like in the time machine. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, I'm traveling between time and space. You know? Or what's stuck in time? Yeah. Like left, yeah. No, yeah, they are seriously behind. I'm sorry, Mexico, but it's true. Okay, especially in in listen in some type of beliefs too, like misogyny and mm -hmm. machismo and all that bullshit. Yes, like they still stuck. Mm -hmm. Like we are too, but we st we have people talking up. I mean, now like no, people are starting to talk up in Mexico. Like people, women, and like they're starting to like fight back and be mm -hmm. like, no, nah, 
But it's the new generation. That's why. And yeah. that is why I love the new generation because they're the revolutionists. They're like, fucking shit is going to change. I'm going to burn down this fucking city. No more repeated cycle. Yeah. So it was even um, thought or said that Adolfo even took part in Elilio's initiation ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the passing of the time, uh, Adolfo would demand people to be sacrificed. Like, so this guy, you know, he's getting money. You know, um, he's getting, and I guess also to keep people like um, in check. intrigued, you know, and in yes, check. in check, like an in, indirect fear tactic. Yeah, he's getting, like, you're asking me the next one I he, sacrifice. Like he's getting very confident in his quote unquote power. Right. You know, because he has freaking federal offices in his pocket. You know, yeah. this guy feels untouchable, you know, and he was claiming that it would add more power to, you know, his spiritual workings. Um, you know, later they will go up and set up on a ranch called Rancho Santa Elena. Uh, their victims soon after would consist of rivals of the drug trade, members of other gangs, corrupted cops, prostitutes. Now, you know, he was really taking this beautiful practice. Because, you know, what I love about Santeria, Palo um, Mayombe, and even Hinduism, mm-hmm. they have their light and dark. Right. And what I love is that their gods are pretty much like humans. So it's like the same way that they're capable of gifting you, loving you, nurturing you, protecting you. They're also like, I will fucking I will take cut away. your head off. I will you know? take away everything you I will fucking leave you with nada. <laughs> and you know, not even a fucking underwear. You know, so like, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this fucking psychopath was taking this practice like just Throw- way off to the fucking left. Throwing it down the mud. You know, where mm-hmm. it came to the point that they will boil the remains of their human sacrifices that, you know, that they would, um, like, for their members or followers or people who will, who would come for, like, uh, you know, like, their services, he, they would drink this brew of human remains to keep them bulletproof from the cops, like, to keep them protected. And I'm just like, what the fuck? But you know, also, we cannot judge because I do feel like anyone is mm-hmm. susceptible to brainwashing, right. um, to following things that later on they'd be like, what the fuck was I thinking? Especially desperation from poverty. Yes, yes, yes. Especially over there in Mexico. And that's what I feel like what made this very ideal for him. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about in Mexico where the economy is terrible right and yes. you know that's just the sad part that even when the people that play their country they're like barely making it they still because they want to believe in something they believe in the other world they're willing to sacrifice their money because of luck or you know protection or just mm-hmm. the desperation to have something good happen because life over there in poverty can be so fucking miserable. And when you grow up in poverty, that really does something to you, something to you mentally and emotionally. Right. You know, um, that's why I go like over here in the West, like in the United States, you know, it's actually a fucking privilege to be even able to work on yourself because not everyone has a, a privilege to work on themselves. Ah, uh, yes, you know? indeed. Um, so when people, I, you know, and let me tell you, I'm a shadow walker, okay? I believe in shadow work. This family is um, <laughs> but I also know when to say that it is a privilege and that not everyone got it like that. Right. And so when we do get on this thing of because someone is opposing us or people, we'd be like, oh, they're not doing the work. We also are occupying the mentality of being an elitist right. because we're like stepping down on them. Like, because, because, you know, we don't agree with them. We're like, oh, they refuse to do the work. Like, listen, not everyone has the fucking privilege, first of all, true. you know? Like, it's okay to be a shadow worker, but don't be like everybody else and start shitting on others who you think are not doing the work. Like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. There's a time and place, you know, and this is where the discernment comes in. Right. That's true. You know, to be like, wait, you know, that reflective, at least for me, okay? Because I do find that us shadow walkers can get a little too carried away with that bullshit too. Yeah. You know, we can. I'm sorry, but it it is starting in some ways is starting to become a toxic thing right the same way that love and light shit is also toxic this shadow walker if you don't keep your fucking ass in check Mm -hmm. and stop judging other like they say when you judge others you're judging yourself Mm -hmm. it also becomes toxic because everyone carries toxic traits 
when people say, oh, that's a person is a narcissist, we also carry narcissistic traits because we have learned from narcissistic parents. Now, there's a difference where we go, let me fix that. Let me be aware of it. Mm -hmm. But we all have it. And that's where the fine line is, right. you know, yeah. that very thin barrier. So there's my rant for the night. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just becomes pure insanity with this guy, you know. Um, so let me tell you, it has gotten so crazy. And this guy fucking thinks like he is so untouchable, okay, that in one time, Costanzo requested that they bring him the first mail that they found. But it wasn't until his executioner, which at that time he appointed um, his executioner as uh, Ililio uh, Hernandez. It wasn't until they beheaded the body of the first male that they brought to realize that it was one of his nephews. Wow. Yeah. So can you imagine how deep, how, you know, and the funniest thing that we're talking about, because, you know, also like novelas, yeah. uh, media, you know, we give a drug lords drug traders as like oh badass and oh, romanticized tough, you know yeah romanticized. Like this kind of weird fucking shit that happens and you know and i feel like that is one of the reasons why mexico cannot get out of um alcoholism and wanting to be in the drug trade because this is something that's constant and the consistent like over exaggeration like the exaggeration for drama oh my gosh i cannot do a novella it's <laughs> fucking cringe cringe like i can't <laughs> It kills me. Yes. But it's because of that, because it's a repetitive pattern that they literally keep their people in the repetitiveness. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, but it just shows how, what you would say, a drug trader, drug lord, how he became even susceptible to Adolfo's uh, cult leader mentality. You know what I'm saying? Like a follower. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it just shows that anyone can be susceptible to this, you know, this... Uh, brainwashing and stuff, it's you know. Power hunger. Yes. Yeah. So, like, Watching. in um, 1989, uh, and this is, you know, anyway, let me first continue, you know. So, like, in, in 1989, Costanzo would then request that he needed an Anglo male for, uh, for his workings to be more powerful and to be able to bestow power onto himself and his followers. Now, an Anglo male, for him, he considered, you know, American, a white guy, you know, like. Norte-Americano. Yeah. <laughs> a gringo, you know. So, you know, they unfortunately, fortunately, fortunately, I don't know, but they go on to choose Mark James Kilroy, who was at that time in college, you know, studying to be a doctor. Um, he had just turned 21 and he was very young, you know, um, and he was what we would consider, you know, like the all American male, you know. Um, so he would go on to be, you know, to kidnap, um, be kidnapped in Santo Padre Island in Texas because um, where they were was like Texas wasn't that far. Like they were able to go in between borders, you know, especially with the drug trafficking. By bridge. Listen, they yeah. fucking like, they own that shit. Yeah. Um, so while bar hopping, you know, um, during Kilroy's spring break. Um, now, when they kidnapped this poor kid, because he's a kid, 21, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know? I mean, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They go on to remove his brain and his spinal column for ritual and dismembered his body for easy burial. Now, fortunately for the justice of Mark, and unfortunately for Adolfo, <laughs> Kilroy's uncle just so happened to be a special agent with the U.S. Customs. So within days, he was reported missing by the UPI, which is in uh, it's a multiple law enforcement that are able, they have jurisdiction in both the U.S. and Mexico. And I love this downward spiral. Yes. <laughs> okay, now it's my turn. I'm going to... Um, I say some... She's going to take you down the spiral. <laughs> yeah. What happens um, during that fateful night? But before you start... Oh, okay. I'm sorry, but like... Um, maybe I had too much jars of coffee. Maybe that's why I'm so talkative. But I had a long night. <laughs> um, in my spiritual opinion... Mm -hmm. I feel like this downward spiral thing really started happening because he was already going against the Palomayomis uh, practices. The, yes. You the, know, it was really like, dude, like, no. You're like, you're taking this shit a little too far. Right. I mean, that's my spiritual uh, opinion. Am I right? 
Who the fuck knows? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But okay. go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but true. I mean, if you think about it. I mean, to me, it makes sense. But maybe I'm talking shit. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe all, all that he has done literally weighed upon him. Right? I mean, listen. And, and the rest of the... Whether through astrology, whether through karma, whatever. There comes a point where when you go up, you must come down. Mm-hmm. That is just how it is. It is the law of the land, I guess. Or the law of the universe. Some way, somehow... It's just through transformative experiences that one minute you could be on top and the next minute your ass is grass. So, mm-hmm. like, what can we do? Okay. All right. I'll begin. <laughs> okay. Um, the nightmare commenced involuntarily as a spring break get-together. In the early morning hours of March 11, 1989, a Saturday that was fathomed to be a night of partying at an end. College students Mark Kilroy, Bradley Moore, Bill Huddleston, and Brent Martin had strolled through the International Bridge from Brownsville, Texas, to the body town border of Matamoros, Mexico. Like many other college kids and high school students, they had walked through the border bridge of Rio Grande, where 18 years of age was, the, was, legal, in, was legal enough, and the main attraction was Calle Alvaro Obregón, I, I can't say it, a main street for discos and bars where one can afford a cold corona <laughs> with lime for a dollar. And during that time, I bet you. The quartet of former high school basketball and baseball athletes was looking forward to a typical night of sunning, drinking, and meeting girls at the beachside, hopping from a jerga, uh, jerga, <laughs> burger joint and assisting other foursome of, Ka- of Kansas co-eds to meet at the town of Matamoros. Once they crossed, the quartet completed their tryst with their friends at a club called Sergeant Peppers, where the line wasn't too bad, but was crowded, as reminisced by Huddleston. After 2.30 a.m., they headed back to a hotel across the same bridge they initially walked to. After a party thrown by fellow fraternity brothers that following night, Kilroy and his friends concluded for a second night to Matarmoros and parked their car on the American side of the border, and once again walked to Calle Obregón. They had their first drinks at El Sombrero before hopping a few blocks down to a joint that had freshly been remade as their hard rock. Mark Kilroy had stumbled upon a girl he knew that had won third place at a tanning contest, <laughs> but eventually came back to his friends Huddleston, Moore, and Martin to finally leave towards the bridge. As the spirits were still high as the court quartet bandered about their day, just about 200 feet from the American border, border was an overgrown and unlit park. It seemed that Mark Kilroy went to urinate there and ducked ahead while the other three went along, assured he would catch up with them to the car at, at the end. They got to the car and waited for Kilroy for two hours, but to no avail. Backtracking Matamoros to find Kilroy bore no food as well. Hoping against all hopes, they assumed he found another way somehow to the hotel, but the truth was clear when Kilroy didn't return come the morning. Come the morning. I'm sorry. I would not wait two fucking hours for my friend to not show up. I would be like, listen. I know. But there I think kids. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I would be like, what the fuck is up with my friend? I know. <laughs> they were drunk. They were I mean, kids. Wait a second. <laughs> and it was the 80s. Night. Yeah, right? I, I think the innocence also, like, it, it was just different. The, the awareness was... Yeah. I mean, at least it seemed. Because a lot of the shit that went on, it gives that impression. Right. That there was some type of innocence or just or ignorance or something. Gullibility or something. Something. <laughs> okay, continuing. <laughs> at first, the search commenced as a regular missing persons case when the trio went to the U.S. consul in Mantamoros, but, of was, but was assured of Kilroy's return, as it was common for students to be reported missing in Matamoros only to come back the next day with a hangover and no recollection of the previous night. Dang. But the fear of something worse happened became more apparent when he didn't return. But now, with Kilroy's parents, Huddleston, Martin, and Moore appointed to the Cameron Cameron County Sheriff's Department in Brownsville. Their statement was taken in by Lieutenant George Gravito. Gravito? Kilroy being missing in in Mexico was outside his jurisdiction, yet Gravito's um, department had worked with the Matamoros police long before this incident. So it was a shock to hear from them stating Kilroy was missing in the U.S., or in short, not their problem. 
However, the Mexican Federal Police, particularly the Drug Enforcement Bureau, under the commandment of Juan Benitez Ayala, took notice. Now, with both police forces, the parents and friends set up 20,000 flyers, both Spanish and English, bilingual, throughout the Rio Grande with a, with a reward of 15 grand. While, while, the, while the depiction of Mark Hilver was cir circulated among jails and hospitals, along with the parents meeting officials all along the border, with the case being featured on America's Most Wanted. Even a hypnotist was summoned in hopes of finding more clues, with Bradley Moore stating he had seen Kilwar talking to a young Hispanic man with a cut on his face. Despite numerous calls and tips, this case was on the verge of growing cold. As if by fate, however, the breakthrough was a result of something disassociated in expenditure, but slowly unearthed something far more dark and gruesome. Three weeks afterwards of Kilwar's disappearance and before the parents' departure back home, the United States and Mexico announced commission for a massive drug prohibition program, the largest ever enforced, enforced with 1,200 agents, a dozen helicopters, and 30 airplanes. Jeez. Juan Ayala and a few of his officers had even set up roadblock near Matamoros as part of the effort. Don't kidnap a white man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you kill, kill a white guy. Oh, boy. On that early April, a car refused to stop for a routine check, and the driver was Elio Hernandez Rivera, 22, and, and a denizen of Matamoros. Upon questioning after arrest, it was peculiar enough for him to be surprised, but, pos but possession of marijuana was sufficient to conduct a search over the Santa Elena Ranch. I guess that brew didn't work. <laughs> Word. <laughs> In the sun-baked hinterlands 20 miles west of Matamoros. Upon entering and searching the property, 75 pounds of marijuana was found and resulted the arrest of sev uh, several other men, besides uh, Serafin Hernandez and an elderly caretaker. However, there was a small shack near the property that was filled with candles, an altar, a large cauldron, and many other items familiar with Pujeria, yet there was no thought of going inside at first. None of the officers dared to enter regardless. But the then illegal marijuana possession was enough for now. Returning to the station with the criminals, the elderly ranch caretaker took notice of the Kilwar flyer and recognized the missing person. Of course, Ayala was interested and found from the caretaker that he fed the bound young man who was in the back of a suburban at the ranch three weeks prior. Oh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. I don't know if you have this. But you know, they actually had un curadero, un curadero come. To destroy that thing. Oh, actually, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't worry, it, it yeah. was there. It was there. <laughs> what happened afterwards, he knew nothing of. Questioning the Hernandez brothers was unsuccessful, but Serafin alternately, alternately confessed that he and his brothers had kidnapped and taken him to the corral and, and Tenentar paid for shack they had seen already. In addition, Serafin admitted El Padrino needed a young, handsome American man aspiring to become a doctor for human sacrifice. Upon approaching the corral after the questionings, the police force was assaulted with a decaying stench once truly inside, and further in was the ghastly sight of a blood-smeared floor, still-lit candles, an iron kettle of iron and wooden spikes, charred human brain, animal parts, an iron bed frame with urns of congealed blood, hair, and tissue, a machete caked with blood, a ganga, I can't yeah, say. Yeah. sorry, <laughs> filled with rotten flesh of both human and animal. A roasted yes. turtle and even oil drum that was used to boil the victim's flesh. Can you imagine drinking that fucking shit and knowing that it doesn't work? <laughs> that right there would piss me off. I'm sure it did. <laughs> even more were familiar sightings of cigars and coconut shells. Not to a Notre Americano, <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, to any Mexicano and uh, those familiar, uh, familiar with the spiritual practices of Palo Mayombe. An Afro-Caribbean's religion related to Santeria, but this was darker, more corrupted. Rituals situated of the religion will include the use of human bones and animal sacrifice, but never allow the forbidden use of human sacrifice. However, in this shack, it was a human slaughterhouse. Furthering in the details of the testimony of Hernandez of Rivera <laughs> and the other henchmen, Every victim had been slain in a ritualistic manner in the belief that human sacrifices would allow the drug trope to be invulnerable and protected from the law enforcement. 
Rumors of two occultists wore human vertebrae as necklaces, believing their rights would make them invisible and immune to bullets. There was another member of the cult who brandished a cluster of marks on his back and arms, claiming these symbols made him noteworthy as a killer. The one who murdered Kilroy, however, was the godfather and ringleader of the cult, Adolfo, Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo, age 26. Wanting to know beforehand, Ayala demanded the whereabouts of Mark Kilroy, to which Serafin responded that there was more than one body buried on the ranch. He pointed out Kilroy's grave, that Kilroy's grave has a wire sticking out of the earth, specifically for when the corpse is fully decomposed, Constanzo would make a necklace out of the threaded spine. Jesus. The evidence of Kilroy's death was gruesome. His skull was cut open and his brain was missing from the inside. The legs were chopped where the knee sockets were, and the spine was cut open and threaded with wire, similar to what Serafin described. Indeed, as if remorseless, he also recounted the last moments of Kilroy. During that faithful night, the brothers were looking from one bar to another, picking out one of thousands of American tourists that befitted the requests of Costanzo, and picked out Kilroy. They made their move when they saw Kilroy rush to the park, flashing fake badges and falsified arrests for public drunkenness. Immediately, they grabbed Kilroy and threw him into the van and drove a few blocks away to wait for the other car driven by the other members. Around that time, Kilroy managed to escape, but upon hearing someone shouting, freeze, he stopped out of instinct and he gave the criminals the chance to catch and tie him up with duct tape. Ouch. Much like the caretaker mentioned, Kilroy was left in the suburban for several hours until Constanzo arrived that afternoon. Kilroy was then dragged to the, sh to the shed and laid on the repulsive ground stomach-wise and was killed by Constanzo with the machete by opening his skull and taking his brain to put inside the ganga in hopes of this inhuman sacrifice to acquire intelligence and wisdom. Of course, with all this knowledge of the, of the questionings, Ayala forced the Hernandez brothers to exhume each and every grave even borrowing a neighbor's backhoe. The remains of 14 victims each had the confirmation of torture, burning, decapitation, castration, and one in record of the removal of his heart. Jeez, this guy, like, mm -hmm. he takes the cake. Mm. Yeah, especially. <laughs> Out of all the cult members, Constanzo and his high priestess in right hand, Sara Aldrete, was still at large and on the run, as stated by Serafin. At the time, Aldrete was considered the most unassuming to be in a killer cult, with being an honor student at the Southmost College of Texas, friendly, outgoing, and a participant of many extracurricular activities while majoring in physical education. Nonetheless, she had been conniving with Constanzo for years for recruitment and attracting victims. In the time of 1989, no cellular or any widespread uh, debit transactions whatsoever was like finding a needle in a haystack, and the police feared that these two had escaped to the U.S. Luckily, the law enforcement within the U.S. found leads to the duo, where they acquired fake IDs, drove to McAllen, Texas, and boarded a plane to Mexico City. Within the ringleaders' various homes and properties, the body count rose up to 23 upon their searches. Putting up reward rewarding wanted posters didn't help the law for weeks until the suggestion by a local anthropologist specializing in Palo Mayombe, or Curande, <laughs> I can't say it right, and Santeria to create a conflagration to the shack and separately burning the ganga as, as to be seen on TV. Doing so would metaphorically smoke the monster out. As predicted, while Constanza was in his high-rise apartment with his accomplice and a lover, along with two of his followers, he freaked out at the side of the, of the news. I mean, I get it in some ways. Because, like, like I said before, you know, you dedicate your time and energy, you offer... I mean, because we also have to... If we step into the mind of the psychopath, for mm -hmm. him, this is, like, that a was, real deal. Yeah. And you go through, you go through the, the sacrifice and the time and energy to give this being, you know, offerings of human beings, you know? It was his um, power. That you do become close to them mm -hmm. in some sense, you know, because when you, you know, pray to them, dedicate your time and energy offerings, you know, there does develop some type of like a, a spiritual cord. Right. Is it mutual? 
I don't know, maybe they're like, fuck this guy. But yeah. for us as humans, we always develop some type of attachment, some type of cord. Right. Whether with human, deity, entity, whatever. That's um, true. Cats. You know, we all develop some type of attachment. So I would probably have fucking freaked too. Yeah. Been like, Unfortunately, we are social creatures through and through. Yeah, I would have freaked too. I would have been like, what the fuck? You know? Right. <laughs> okay, continuing. On May 6, 1989, the local police appeared to that very apartment in response to a call of another upheaval. In a state of paranoia, Constanzo started to burn all his cash on the stove and flung extra money and coins out to the street below. This disturbance brought the police to the madman's flat. In the span of 45 minutes, the two sides of the door returned gunfire. In the end, one officer was wounded, but, but Constanzo was dead with multiple gunshot wounds with his lover dead next to him, mortally wounded from a single shot. I love this downward spiral. Sandra, Sandra, I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> Sara Albrete, however, was hiding in the bedroom unharmed. She and the remaining two cult members gave in to submission. All of the 14 members of Costanzo's cult were finally charged with numerous crimes, from murder to drug running to the obstruction of justice. Sara Aldrete, Elio, and Serafin Hernandez was convicted of multiple murders and each was given 60 years. While the Kilroy family was gifted with closure over this, the families of other victims did not have the prosperity of the media nor the two forces of law enforcement at their behest. Police are uncertain of the true body count that have yet to be found and of the numerous Mexican victims, only nine have been sound of identity. And you know, like, um, she has... Uh she had claimed that Adolfo was encouraging the members to, like, to kill themselves. Like He was like, it's time to die, you know? Um, but I, she was just like, fuck this. <laughs> she was like, I don't want to fucking die, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Because I think it, what it, it has to think. Because us humans, we don't see things for what they are until shit gets out of control. Right. And like they say in Puerto Rico, I'm going to say it in English, we wait until we see the balls of the bull to say that it's a boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, and yeah. it is human nature, you know, that we wait until shit gets cray-cray for us to be like, what the fuck? You know, and I think that was like her moment too when he was like, listen, let's kill each other. Like, I kill you, kill. Like, you know, it was just like, nah. <laughs> I don't want to die, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the whole point of this, what I want to get to is that how one, a misunderstood practice can take an awful turn in the wrong hands. Yes. And it's not just a psychopaths or a sociopath. Anyone who doesn't keep their shit in check, a person who doesn't believe that they have to do the work, to they have to undo um, power trips that they may have. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of also people who get into practices before because they want to follow something, sometimes, not all the time, it mm-hmm. is led by the wanting of power. Because a lot of us yes. feel powerless and it's within these practices that they give us some type of sense of empowerment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's the thing, like, and that's great because it's good to be empowered. Right. But like they say, you know, there's too much of anything is not a good thing. And there's a responsibility towards yes, it. Yes. Especially practices like this where there is like this dual energy, you know, there has mm-hmm. to be a great approach of responsibility. Um you can't just go in and just do whatever because then we will wind up like this motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it just gets out of control. Or like if we want to take it down a notch, like just a regular person, um, you know, you start cursing people just for stupid shit. Shit that you just go like, listen, it's part of life. Fucking deal with it. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, you know, so there's some stuff that I go, yeah, that is justifiable we rage. Beca- yeah. There's justified justice. Uh, but there's just some stuff like, listen, learn some coping skills. Mm-hmm. People have you know, to, people ugh. will get blind. Over yeah, exactly. Like work through it. Yeah, and fucking move on. Not everything requires a fucking jar, and like you know, use cat litter and all that shit. You know, some people yes they <laughs> yeah, do. That part, yeah. There are some people yes they do deserve. Um, but this is where, as a practitioner, where we have to be like, listen, is it worth it? Because that's time and energy too. Like, yeah, you di- you're dumping your energy into what uselessness, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I feel like also as deities, I feel like them themselves are like, that is not even worth. Like, how dare you use me for stupid fucking shit? How dare you ask me? Yeah, and just <laughs> fucking true. get over it. You know, like, you know, I don't know, develop boundaries or something. You know, so it's like 
and it's like people like him, you know, that they take something beautiful and they just like. And an ego. And if a person doesn't go and really investigate and really try to understand a practice. They don't, they they don't listen by heart. They listen by ego. Yes. And they'll believe it. They'll believe that this practice is just extremely dark and, you know, whatever. Listen, everything is dark. There's light and dark. Mm -hmm. They cannot coexist without each other. Right. So it's like, get over it. That's what it is. You know, um. But it's not all about that, mm-hmm. you know? And so I feel like that was the whole point of this. Like, I, want, I wanted to show, well, not show, but talk about how if a person doesn't do the work, a person can, like, really go off the deep end yeah. of trying to claim power and feeling powerless, like, their whole life. You know, finding uh, some type of family connection, perhaps because of abandonment issues and rejection and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, they find some type of like uh, comfort in in practices, you know, but it can get out of fucking hand. Or even find comfort in other people practicing the same thing, yeah. and that can make a very vulnerable. Yeah, that's how cults happen. Exactly, precisely. You know, because they make you feel loved. Mm-hmm. You know, they make you feel like, listen, this is the family you never fucking had, and then when you come to see it, it fucking it turn it gets turned left. You know, where or it's like there's just, too many fucking rules or like you get punished for stupid fucking shit. Like it or, just and gets the punishment, And the punishment, it becomes a little too inhumane. Yes. And, and that's why everything that passes through the hands of humans turns to shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because there is no boundaries. There is no um, holding ourselves accountable and, you know, upholding responsibility while we're doing this because also in practices like this if you're not careful you can lose your fucking mind also you have to be really careful because you're opening yourself to strong powerful energies that if you're not doing the shadow work can fuck you up it can either fix you or destroy you those are the only two fucking options you got um and so i feel like it's very important you know that's what other people would be diving into shit they don't understand i get it that at some point that's how you learn, too, trial by error. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, but it's also, we have to take some type of responsibility. Right. Um, yes. But I am glad that now people are starting to become more open and seeing that what was deemed, you know, evil and just, you know, can crazy. You be- can you believe even yoga back then was considered Satan's work and all that? Listen, still to this fucking day. Can oh, you yeah, want to know true. why? I couldn't believe my fucking eyes. <laughs> I, okay? I can hear you. And one of the, I'm in a group. Uh, messenger chat thing yeah so tell me how which she needs to fucking have a seat during virtue she posted oh, like oh a non-yoga exercise bitch if it's fucking non-yoga why are you using the word yoga in the first place she needs to sit her ass down before someone twists her ass in a fucking pretzel she gets me on my fucking nerves and i'm like listen that's a, such a disappointment she is the epitome of when you don't do the work, yes. the fucking disaster you turn into. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing is, I'm not against her because she decided to be in Jesus. Because you know what? I love Jesus, okay? Mm-hmm. Jesus, master healer, my brother, okay? <laughs> what I don't fucking like is you convert, but then you're going to come say everything is yes, evil. Because she, everything is yes. this. I used Bitch. to... Because I want to punch you. <laughs> when, when I was young, I actually used to buy a few of you things. Remember? No, I and know. She was actually in the new... Like, the, what, no, at that this time, lady new is age. making a lot of fucking money. I know. You know, with her angel numbers, angel yes. bits, whatever. That bitch was the reason why I got into numbers in the first place. Well, you place. know what I think? I What I feel... And she, I think she blocked me. Because I wrote this on her fucking comment. Because I thought, you know, this is what happens when you don't do the work. Because I feel that you were diving in shit that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that entity was like, oh, everything you're doing is evil because they wanted to corrupt your fucking ass. And because you refused to do the work, that is why you came and you turned on us. I go, but we don't forget. <laughs> they blocked me. <laughs> but it's like, listen, and then that goes for everybody. Religious people, listen, you believe in God, whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Because everyone has their own truth. Right. Everyone's truth can live simultaneously. What I don't fucking accept is when people are starting to shit on others. You know, when they're mm-hmm. like, oh, evil, evil. It's like, shut the fuck up. No you want to believe that? Fine. It's fine. Humans have this it's problem. Fine. Like, people, like, humans have this problem of 
oh, because I'm in it, oh, it's the best. Yes, elitist mentality. And that's the thing that we all have to be careful of because we're all susceptible to it. Yes, that's you know, true. That's why it is good to always reflect and say, am I being elitist? Am I stepping into a superiority role without realizing it? Because it can't happen. We're human, you know, like the yes. fuck. Um, and so that's what irritates me about her is that. Mm-hmm. Just like, why? Just why? She was a huge betrayal to us. Yeah, it, it, it was a huge betrayal. Yeah. People were like, this bitch. Yeah, when I was young, I, 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 I bought But I saw that recently. That bitch. <laughs> I saw that recently. I mean, I still use her cards. And right. I go, forgive us, universe, for she does not know any better. Okay, she is a fallen one. <laughs> she is a fallen one. She don't know any better. She threw herself in the in that pit. She, I would like, I, I would like to use her as an example of what happens when you're too much of that love and light, toxic yes. positivity. She is the fucking exemplary example of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I see her as of what not to be. Why it is important to do the work because then you become adoring virtue. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that non yoga, I was like. This bitch. I'm sorry, but that's comedy. It is. <laughs> I, I, I was just like, that's pure. Why comedy. would you even use yoga in the fucking first place if you're saying not? And it, and it gives off this energy of non yoga because she's saying that yoga, and she wrote it in the fucking post. Oh, the truth behind yoga. I'm like, bitch, don't make me go down there. <laughs> you're like, step- bitch. I will fucking travel all the way to California. Don't don't step on don't step on that line with that toe because it's gonna get caught off. <laughs> I will sacrifice going to Mount Shasta just to twist a fucking ass in a pretzel because I was like, excuse me, Ex- fucking you excuse know? me, <laughs> yes. So she, I like to use her as the example of what happens when you gaslight, when you do spiritual bypassing, mm-hmm. and you don't face your shit, and when everything you- is love and light, and you're like. When you, you start diving in shit that you're not supposed to, because I'm sorry, but they've told me from the beginning that she has dived into something she wasn't supposed to. And what came forward, like in her angel channeling, was something she was not prepared for, but she's blinded. It freaked her out so fucking much because I feel like this energy was so powerful, which took too much for her feeble fucking mind. Um, that it freaked her out. That she was like, that's why she was like, oh, all this is evil, all the cards and all this shit. It's because she opened something that she was not. And how much you want to fucking bet it was a practice that she don't even belong to? How yeah, much you want to bet? She, it probably was one of these African deities that was like, excuse me, bitch, the fuck you doing? Yes, because in her in her many of her books, she always used other other cultures. Yes. How much you want to bet she yes. was diving into something that she knows fucking zero about. Okay, because let me tell you, Santeria, Voodoo, all that shit, okay, Palo Mayobe, you know, Las Reglas, Sanse, whatever, these are things that you need to study for, mm-hmm. okay? You need to be trained, okay? Yes. You need to take responsibility, be very careful about what you do because you're opening to stuff that you're, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And they get easily offended, okay? They can love you and they can, be, they can get pissed. Mm-hmm. And so I really do feel that she opened something and that deity was like, I don't fucking think so. And it fucking traumatized her. And I think that's why she was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> you know? But anyway, that is my second rant for the night. That's what happens when you have like four jars of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so now before okay. I forget, because I've been wanting to do this for like many fucking episodes and it took episode six. It took it took six episodes. To Listen, I even had tra- my my tarot decks have traveled with me for no points because I will always forget. Because I've been wanting to pull like a random <laughs> card for the listeners, and if it relates to you, fantastic. And if it doesn't, it shouldn't always relate to everybody. Okay, right. so the cards I'm using is the Psychic Tarot um, by John Holland. He's one of my favorites. I have literally all his decks. So we're gonna. Pull a card and see. You don't have a problem? I don't have a problem. Okay. <laughs> I have like, I don't know how many decks, but I don't have a problem. So the card, ah, beautiful. So the card that came forth is positive movement forward. So listen, if you've been like me, things have been shitty. Okay. These fucking energies have been horrid. And I feel you. We're feeling stagnant. I feel like these energies yeah. have us in this, what's my purpose? 
you know, what's my value in my life or in other people's lives, you know, um, reconsidering like jobs or, you know, power moves. Should we start our own business? Should I go to school? Should I quit my job? Whatever. Should I get a divorce? Um, you know, we're all like in this energy of what the fuck am I going to do with my life? Right. But this card is here to tell you that there is going to be some type of like leeway you know we're moving towards the sun because the image is a person on a boat and he is gliding sailing towards the sun so there's going to be some positive you know movement some um you know like the stagnant energy is going to be broken up so i hear i did hear be prepared for some news i feel like we're going to be receiving some type of news soon or you're going to be receiving some type of news soon in regards to something that matters to you and something that you weren't so sure about so just keep your head up, do your best. And when, when we say positive movement forward, we don't mean toxic positivity in the sense of repression or oppressing yourself. But just do your best to self-regulate and to feel your emotions, but also remind yourself that everything will be okay because nothing is permanent unless we want it to be. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that, my lovelies, we will leave you. And remember, do no harm, but take no shit. All right, so we will see you. Well, I always say fucking see you. We will talk to you next week. Thank <laughs> you for listening, for having patience with us. And I guess we will bid you goodbye. Thank you for hearing our rants. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to join us in Spotify, subscribe to our Patreon, or visit our Facebook page, 12th of Mercury, for more episodes. <laughs>